Welcome to church, everybody, and the first week of our new series that we're calling Deconstructing Church. And whether you are here in person at our broadcast location in Kernersville, or you are in person at our location in Oak Ridge, or you're joining us somewhere on the World Wide Web online, we believe, I believe, that you are here for a reason. And I think, I just got a hunch, that we're all here for one of maybe four reasons. There may be more, but I think most of us are here because of one of these. Someone personally invited you, right? Makes sense. Told you you'd meet somebody cute, get some food, free t-shirt, or maybe you just lost a bet. I don't know, but someone told you about it. Or, or maybe, on a more serious note, maybe something happened in your life this week or in the last couple of weeks. And typically when something happens that brings people to church is typically something bad. And, and we've all been there, right? It's like a trigger event, financially, relationally, health-wise. And then you're just like calling out to God and, and maybe church can help. So we're so glad. And we're sorry for whatever bad has happened, but we're glad that you've joined us. Or maybe it's a habit, right? It's just supposed to. It's a pattern. Mama always said, and if she's going to ask me today, and if I say I didn't, right, that, that kind of thing. Or you drove by and saw the sign, or you stumbled across us on the website, and it's just one of those things that you do. Or maybe you see a bigger purpose in the world, and you feel like this is a part of that bigger purpose. Regardless of what reason got you here, we are glad you are here together. So glad that you have joined us, and we believe that this is essential. And here's why. We believe church is essential because it is the vehicle through which the kingdom of God is realized on earth as it is in heaven. How's that to dump on you right up front? It's a lot, right? We believe, we believe that the, that the church is the vehicle. Whatever the church is, we're going to talk about what the church is, but the church is the vehicle. It's the way. It's the conduit. It's the funnel through which the kingdom of God, the way of Jesus, and we just did a whole series on the kingdom of God. The way of Jesus is lived out and experienced on this earth, as Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, what the heck has that got to do with me? I mean, I got issues going on in my life. That's good for you guys, and I'm glad to know that that's interesting stuff, but I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, and I was hoping that by being here, I could get some help and encouragement, and my life would be a little bit better as a result of this experience. What's this got to do with me? Well, that's why we're doing this series, is to try to help you connect the dots between what the church is all about and your life and what you are experiencing. And what makes this difficult, what makes this challenging, I think, a lot of times to kind of connect the dots for people with church is that church really has picked up a lot of baggage through the centuries. It just really has. Uh, if you just kind of trace it through history, church has picked up what we have come to know and call church today. Um, even, even this church, unfortunately, if we're not careful, picked up a lot of baggage. Things that were never supposed to be about church. Things that were never supposed to be attached to church but kind of like Velcro or static, just kind of attach themselves. People have made a part of church. And as a pastor from time to time, I just want to tell people, no, 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 that's not supposed to, that church, not, that's not what church is about. That was never supposed to be about that. That's baggage. That's stuff that is not necessarily supposed to be attached to church to begin with because what happens when church gathers all this baggage, it begins to lose its way and lose its meaning and lose its impact in such a way that people like you and me get disillusioned and maybe we get so disillusioned, we quit 
church and we leave church and some people even quit God. Now, a lot of people say, well, I, I believe in God. I just can't do the church thing anymore. I get it. And for some of you that feel that way, I want to look at you in the eyeball and tell you, I'd leave too. I'd leave too if I experienced what you experienced. But wait a second, time out. That's not what church is about. And as a pastor, I want to say that's never what church was supposed to be about. I'm sorry what happened to you, and I'm sorry. It's not good. It's not okay. The pain and the, and the frustration that people experience in the name of the church. But I want to say that's baggage. So let's deconstruct a little bit. Let's, let's shake the dust off. Let's let go of some things that were never supposed to be about the church and never supposed to be attached to the church to begin with. And then we'll see how essential the church is really for the world and our lives. And so to help us do this, I want to begin with a list. I love lists. I'm a list guy. So here's my not list. Church is not. This is going to be fun. Church is not a building or a place. It's just not. And that's odd, right? That's odd because most of us came to a building and a place. And we point to a building and say, that's church, right? And listen, the building has a part of it, but it's not really what church is about. It's an important part, but it's not really about a building or a place. Let me clarify it for you. This building you're sitting in is not the house of God. It's not. It's just not. In the New Testament, God is very clear that God's Spirit does not dwell in a house made with human hands. Human hands built this building. And that we, our bodies, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This, 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 right here. Temple of the Holy Spirit. This is not the house of God. To be clear, this is. You are the temple. You are the house of God. Yeah, that's why you get to wear a hat in here, and it's okay. Because <laughs> the building, the space ain't holy. What? This is holy. You, your, your life is holy. That's why you can bring coffee up in here. Listen, here's the deal. This house of God runs on coffee. <laughs> Me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's an essential part of my worship of God. Thank you, God, for coffee. Anyway, that was free. It's not a building or a place. It's also not a worship service where people come and sit in rows. Isn't that weird to look around? We're in a worship service sitting in rows. Uh-oh. No, this is a part of it, but this is not the essence of church. Church is so much more profound and yet so much more simple. And this is a part of it, but this is not just it, church, is not a network of who's who and who knows who and power and, and positioning. No, church is not a political party. Can't we'll spend too much time here because I want you to be my friend. But the Republican Party can't claim the church. And the Democratic Party cannot claim the church. The, the church is not about a political entity or a political party. The church is not a religion in itself, which is odd because a lot of people in expressing their worship to God in whatever religion they have found themselves connected to or chosen to be connected to often go to a place called church as a part of that expression. But not, that's not the heart and the essence of church. We'll trade lightly here, but the church is not even a denomination. It's not. It's just not. You say, well, what's the denomination? Okay, well, that's that, that's that word on church signs that's really hard to pronounce and spell. Right before church, right, typically. Like Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, 
Pentecostal, Methodist, Anglican, Catholic, Episcopalian, all, all those things. Now, denominations in and of themselves are not necessarily bad things. However, they often add to the baggage. They often add to the baggage. Let me let you in on a little secret maybe no one's told you. Denominations, while well-intended, are man-made divisions and man-made delineations that were created because people can't agree on who God is and what the Bible is about. And because this group can't agree with this group, well, fine, we're going to go over here, and we're going to take our, our, our group, we're going to go over here, and we're going to name ourselves these. Well, we don't like that anymore, and we don't disagree with that, and we're going to come over here, and we're going to create this group over here. Do, the, do it. Do the history on it. That's not what church is. It's not. Unfortunately, because it adds to the baggage and people leave. People leave unnecessarily. Church is not tradition, even though there are a lot of beautiful traditions. There are a lot of beautiful traditions. Tradition is not bad until it becomes part of the baggage that keeps people from realizing what church is really about. And here's, here's the butt kicker for me and you. Church is not about me. We like to make it about me. What I want, what I like, what I think. My way and I think and I... Hey, listen... You are invited, and you are included, and I am included, but it is not about just me and you. Then what? What is the church? What is the church about? That's what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes, and really, for the next few weeks. We're going to unpack, get, shake the dust off of, of, of what it's not, and all these things, and do our best to get down to the essentials of what church is is, and in order to do that, let's get to the meaning of the word church itself. And in order to do that, I want to take you back to the first century. In the first century, I want to peer in and listen in on a conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. And one day, the conversation was going somewhere like this. Jesus said, hey, fellas, who do people say that I am? When you listen to the word on the street, who, what are people saying about me? Well, some people say this, and some people say that, and some people say you're one of the Old Testament prophets who have come back, like Elijah and Jeremiah. And Jesus was like, okay, that's interesting. And then Jesus looked at his disciples, and he says, who do you guys say that I am? Peter's hand went up. Oh, me, 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 me. Because Peter was always willing to talk, even when it wasn't helpful. But this time, he said, yes, Peter. Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus like, you got it right. That's exactly right. Now, there's so much in this conversation. I encourage you to read it. Matthew chapter 16, read it yourself. This is just phenomenal interchange of conversations between Jesus and his disciples. But Jesus, what he said next, he said something. And for the first time, I, I believe we have the recorded word church. For the first time that we know recorded, Jesus started talking about the church. And so what he said now, he said something about the church, which is why we're doing this. And I want you to see it. Here's what Jesus said in this conversation. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Boy, that's clear, huh? No, it's not. Like, What's that about? That seems very important. It is very important. So let's spend a few minutes kind of unpacking this. On this rock, I will build my church. Gates of Hades will not overcome it. In order to understand what Jesus is saying here, it's very important to understand where they were when they had this conversation. They were having this conversation in a city called Caesarea Philippi. In Caesarea Philippi, it's important to understand that Caesarea Philippi was a wicked, wicked, wicked city. I mean, it was like the sin city of their day, Vegas. 
Can you make the correlation? And what happened in Caesarea Philippi stayed in Caesarea Philippi. <laughs> All joking aside, it was, um, it was a, a really messed up place. A lot of evil things went down in Caesarea Philippi. It was known for it. The pagan rituals, animal sacrifice to the Greek gods of mythology, even human sacrifice, as hard as it is for us to believe. And they were involved in some things that are so grotesque, it would be inappropriate for me to try to describe that in an audience like this publicly. But just suffice it to say, it was a really wicked place. So much so, the Jewish rabbis would encourage Jewish people not to go to Caesarea Philippi. You don't, you don't go there. And to Jewish teenagers, boys and girls, okay, you don't go to spring break at Caesarea Philippi. You just don't. I mean, it's just, you just don't want to be caught there. I can imagine the disciples were probably a little nervous just being there. Right? Man, John, if mom finds out, we're here. I hear you, James. I mean, this is, and Jesus brought us. Well, we're with Jesus, so it's okay, right? That, that's what's going on here. This is, let me, let me take it a little bit further. It is, it is thought that Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples right in the same vicinity of the temple that Herod the Great built. And Herod the Great built this temple to the false gods right beside a cavernous, bottomless cave in the side of a mountain. Huge cave. And this cave by the locals was considered to be bottomless. They had never found the bottom of this cave. It was just an open hole in the earth. And they believed that the Greek god of mythology, Pan, P-A-N, like Peter Pan, but not him, Pan lived there. And it represented the underworld. In fact, they called this cave the gateway to the underworld. So when Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, there is a strong possibility that Jesus might have referenced, pointed over to the cave as an analogy. And when he said the gates of Hades, standing in Caesarea Philippi, at the temple of Herod the Great, all those guys would know exactly what he was talking about. It, it helps for you and I to get a little bit of an explanation. Hades means place of the dead, place of the grave. Now, some modern translations translate this, the gates of hell. It's interesting uh, that they would do that. I, I don't feel like that that is it's pretty clear that that is not a, the most accurate translation. The most accurate translation is actually itself gates of Hades because Jesus is referring to a physical place, not what a lot of people assume hell is about. And so Jesus here is saying, okay, we're in an evil place here, and here's this cave that represents the darkest of the dark, the, I mean, the mouth of evil itself. And Jesus said, on this rock, in this context, in this place, I'm going to build my church in the middle of all the pain and all of the evil and all of the horrors of this world. And my church, whatever the church is, and we're getting there, whatever the church is, he said, my church is going to thrive. It's going to thrive so much so that the darkest powers of evil cannot and will not stop it. So what was Jesus 
talking about that was so unstoppable in the face of all evil. The church. Here's the word Jesus used for church. When Jesus said the word church, the first time we know it was recorded in the New Testament that Jesus spoke about, the word church means is the word ekklesia. It's the Greek word ekklesia. And that, that is an ancient Greek assembly, and it literally means a gathering of those summoned. So when Jesus used the word ecclesia, all those good Jewish boys, all those guys that live in that area, they, they knew exactly what he was talking about. This ecclesia is usually used in a court of law setting, legal terms kind of thing. And so they all knew, oh yeah, he's talking about this thing when there's a gathering of people that have been gathered because they've been summoned to be there. So there's like a couple different elements here. An ecclesia is about a gathering. See, they're starting to come together when it comes to church. A gathering And they're gathered for a purpose. They've been summoned for a reason. So taking that context and the definition that Jesus put with church in the word that he used, ecclesia, we could conclude that a church is a gathering of people summoned to live out the mission of Jesus in the world because that's the purpose. That's the reason to live out the purpose of Jesus. Two elements here. You got the gathering. The gathering is so important. When you think gathering in the context of church, don't just think space and place and a building because as we've already talked about, that is not the essence of what church is. When you think gathering, think togetherness. Togetherness. And then there's the mission side of this. We're not just gathered just for the heck of it. We're we're not just here to sit and take up time and space. We're gathered for a reason. And the reason is for us, the reason for which we have been summoned is to continue the mission of Jesus on earth. Notice Jesus said, I will build my church. It's his church, and he's got a reason for which his church is to be built, is to be forwarded, is to be advanced. Interesting. I don't get to decide what the mission of the church is. You don't get to decide what the mission of the church is. The church doesn't even get to decide what the mission of the church is. That's already been decided. Jesus said, this is the purpose, is to continue my mission. It's exactly what Jesus was doing. And towards the end of his ministry, Jesus, in several different ways, was making it clear, I am handing off my mission to you. Your mission now is to to go represent me in the world, as we will see in this series. In fact, here at the summit, this is near and dear to our hearts because this, this is the essence of what it means to love first, is to continue what Jesus started. Let me remind you again, and I cannot overstate this. We talk about this all the time, but until we master this, which we never will, we're going to keep talking about it. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Here it is. I want you to love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Don't just love for the, just for the sake of just doing something nice. No, 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 it's, it's specific. There's a reason. I've loved you, and he loved us first. You, I've loved you. Now, I want you to take this kind of love, and I want you to go love the world with it. And this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. This will prove to the world that we're connected, that you're about my mission. And so what is the church? The church is a gathering. It's a gathering of those summoned Why were they summoned? Why are they brought together? Why do we exist? To live out the mission of Jesus to love first. 
Jesus said it in a lot of different ways. Later on, he would say, I want you to go. Go and teach everybody what I taught you. He would say, and in other places we'll see in this series, he said, I want you to be my witnesses, telling people in the world about me everywhere. We're gathered for a reason. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that you never outgrow this. You never phase out of it. No one's too young. No one's too old for this mission. We're all invited to be a part of it through Jesus. So a church is a gathering. Gathering of, of people who have been summoned to live out the mission of Jesus. Which, all right, here's my next list. We talked about the not list, so this is what this teaches us. Here's the is list. Church is then that gathering and a purpose and a mission. It's Jesus' mission that we're continuing. We're called, as we will see in this series, the body of Christ. Beautiful imagery. The church is the body of Christ. We are a community of faith. We are a family built on connection. We are circles. We're not just rows. We are circles. Do you see the connectivity that the image of a circle brings? We, this is an experience. A church is an experience. It's something you can feel and experience. And the church is a we. Remember, a church is not about me. It involves me, but it's not about me. Don't you see? It's a we. The church this gathering of people who have been summoned to live out the mission of Jesus. And this is why the church is essential. And this is why the church matters. And this is why the church is so important. This is why the church is so indispensable as a part of our community. When we do this right, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. Now, when the local church has got all this baggage hanging on it from all this stuff we've attached to it that was never supposed to be a part of it to begin with, oh, all kinds of things go sideways. But there's nothing like the local church when it is focused on being that gathering of people who have been summoned to live out the mission of Jesus. And we, the church, are the primary carriers of this message. Now, here's a question that comes up lately, anyway. I'd say in the last several months. And it's a question that I've never had to answer before as a pastor. It's very interesting. And there's only one reason why this question has come up. Our nice little friendly pandemic that has visited our world in past months and year or so, and still you know, we're dealing with in many ways, has brought this into reality. And some of you are thinking this, and some of you online, I know, I know you're thinking it, and, and so let's just go there. So do I actually need to attend in person to be a part of this gathering of people summoned to live out the mission of Jesus? Do I have to live in per be here in person to do this? You ready for the answer? Drum roll, please. And no, you don't. Now, some of you in this room and in the room in Oak Ridge, you're going, see, I told you we didn't have the beer. <laughs> Chris, told you. And some of you that are watching online, you're going, yes. Ha <laughs> ha. Sip on coffee. Or your next bite of lunch, maybe. I don't know what time you're watching. No, 
You do not have to be in any certain space or place in order to be a part of the church. The pandemic proved this to us, didn't it? Do you guys remember? Do you remember? Let's go back to when we were quarantined. And you're not going out places? Remember that? Yeah. And so Sunday would come around, the weekend would come around, and, and we would gather, even though we couldn't all be in the same place in space under one roof. And I can promise you the mission of Jesus was advanced all along the way. So no, no, you don't actually have to be in the same place or space to be a part of the church. However, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, yeah, but I remember that, but it still wasn't the same, and I agree. It's just nothing, it just wasn't quite the same. And oh, man, I had the same feeling. And, and get it, listen, I'm a borderline introvert, okay? And surprise, okay, I extrovert on the other side of the borderline. I extrovert on Sundays, but it's exhausting. Right? And so some of you are really, really introverts. And isn't it interesting that for those of us that identify with introvert kind of world, the pandemic, like, brought the world to us. It did. You have to stay home. Oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> you can't be around people. Oh. oh. Right? DoorDash will bring your food to you. Oh agony, right? <laughs> Some of you introverts, you're like, yes, it was awesome. But, but, but even introverts, okay, listen, listen, even introverts. I got to a point where I was like, this is getting old. This is getting old. There were, there were Sundays, there were Sundays I'm sitting in my living room watching me. <laughs> this is really old. Right? <laughs> and I'm going, I want to see faces. I want to lock eyeballs with a brother and sister. I'm missing, I'm missing seeing somebody and going, hey, how you doing? How's the new job? Hey, I've been praying for your, your wife. How's she doing? Hey, how, how are the kids? I missed. I needed a fist bump, right? Forget the handshake because, ew, who does that anymore, right? Right? But I needed. Even, even someone who's on the introverted side of things, there was, I, I just needed that connection. I found myself longing to stand in a room and hear my brothers and sisters proclaim praises to the king that we worship. It's hard to do that. I get it. It's weird. It's kind of odd online. So, yeah, it's no, it's not the same. No, no, it's not the same. But here's the deal. If you're joining us online, you are part of the gathering, and I am so thankful for online technology that fills in the gaps when we can't be like we want to be together. And I am grateful that we can gather in person. I'm just grateful for the gathering because that's what it's about. No, you don't have to be all in the same place or space. Technology is a wonderful thing. And who knows where this pandemic's going and what's next? I don't know. But I know that no matter what Jesus said, no matter what happens in community, no matter what happens in the world, even if it's the darkest of evil, nothing is stopping my church. Not terror, not a pandemic, not anything will stop the church. We will gather. We will find ways to gather 
This is a gathering. Why? Because we have been summoned by the king. We have been summoned to live out the mission of Jesus. And I am excited over the next few weeks to unpack that further. But for now, here's what you and I need to focus on. Is for us as the gathering who have been summoned to begin to learn what it means to simply be the church. Be the church. Notice, I did not say go to church. That's a part of it. Notice, I didn't say attend church. That's obviously a part of it. This is about being the church, being the gathering of people who have been summoned to live out the purposes of mission of Jesus and then being the people who actually live out that mission. Listen very carefully. It's very important that we as a church be authentic. And here's what I mean. We will never be collectively what we will not be individually. I, I will say that several times throughout this series in different ways. It's important to understand when we're talking about being the church, we have to be authentic. In order for us to be the church together, you and I have to commit to be the church individually on our own. That starts with me and you loving first, me and you living out the mission of Jesus, me and you. So we be the church. We can be the church in a group like this, in a large group, and it's great. But it ain't just about coming and sitting in a row. You think. Now you can say, you can accurately say today when you leave, I went to church. You can say that nothing wrong with saying that, okay? But now what's on you and me is to go be the church. Right? We're here for about an hour. Being the church is the rest of the time. We'll talk about that in this series, but that's what it's about, to be the church. That's on you and me. And when you gather with us online, right? That's a, that's a part of it, but to be the church means you can't just sit and watch. And then you click off. Well, that was good. What else is on? No. no you, we don't just sit. You don't just watch. You got to find ways to be the church, right? That means we're serving, we're giving, we're connecting, we're sharing, we're loving, we're interacting, as a part of the gathering. Being the church happens when we meet in our small groups. Because see, it's not just large groups where we be the church. You happen, it happens in small groups too. In fact, there are some things that happen in small groups that can't happen in a large group. The intimacy, getting to know each other and doing life together, journeying with Jesus together. Hey, and here's a newsflash for you. Do you know where your greatest opportunity to be the church is? You ready for this? At home because that's where you spend most of your time. With the people that you say you love the most. So that's the most natural place to love first, is at home with your family and your friends. So let me break it down like this. Church, let's not pretend to be something on Sunday that we won't be Monday through Saturday at home and at work. Let's authentically be people who are gathering because we've been summoned by the king to live out the mission of the king, and that is to love as we have been loved by him. Yeah, it's a personal thing. It's on me, it's on you, it's on us. And may we never forget it, what it looks like to be the church. And over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack this bit by bit by bit, what it looks like for us to be the church, for you to be the church. So if you're wondering, what's this got to do with me? Oh, everything, 
everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been summoned to continue Jesus' mission in your life, regardless of what your title is, regardless of what your day job is, regardless of who you are, where you've been. It's on you and me to be the church. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, we invite you to join us because I believe even you, as not someone who would say they're a follower of Jesus, would agree. That's what the church should be about. All baggage aside, shake the dust off, deconstruct what you need to, but that is appealing. That is interesting. And I would agree that that's what the world needs. And Jesus said, when the church is like that, nothing will stop her. So welcome to church. We are here. We are here to be the church because we've been summoned to live out the mission of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the clarity, the clarity of what the church is. Forgive us Forgive us, Father, for attaching unnecessary baggage and weighing the church down and confusing people and hurting people and losing our influence because we've allowed the church to become about things that the church was never meant to be about. Father, may we shake the dust off and deconstruct that stuff and come back to what the church is about. You chose the word ecclesia on purpose because you want us to see ourselves as that gathering. And we've been called, we've been summoned by you, our King, to live out your mission. You gave us your mission to continue. And it is your church, so it is your mission. And we are your people. And may we give ourselves to that end and start at home and where we work and with our friends. And so when we gather in large groups like this, it's an authentic gathering. No, we don't have it all together. Yeah, we're still working a lot of stuff out. And yes, we're very imperfect people, but we are gathering to celebrate the mission. To love as we have been loved first by you. Help us. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen.